Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Gridiron Blitz Podcast, your weekly source for women's American football, insights, game recaps, and NFL News Weekly. Subscribe on Apple and iHeart. Welcome to Gridiron Blitz, episode 444 in the house. Oscar Lopez followed it in a little bit. In about an hour, Mark Simone will be in the house, a.k.a. the backseat coach, Nate Ward. We're going to be talking everything WNFC Week 4, WNFC Week 5 preview. We're also going to break down WFA Pro Week 1 on the Women's Sports Network's Game of the Week. And we're going to preview WFA Pro Week 2, uh, Women's Sports Network's Game of the Week also. So don't go anywhere. Second hour exclusively, Women's Tackle Football Talk with the best analysis in the business with from the best podcast on the planet, and that is us, the Gridiron Blitz. So uh, check it out. Don't forget to go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Gridiron Beauties. Go to the hub, get the lowdown on everything that's happening, Lexpa in Mexico, week one. We also had NWFL in the U.K., week one, plus all the breakdowns that's happening, getting ready for Sweden kickoff the, and Germany to kick off. So everything that you need to know to stay on top of the international game, at the hub, facebook.com forward slash ground beauties. That is the place to be. On top of that, we got XFL that we're going to talk about week 10, exciting games, uh, the Battlehawks, the Defenders, the Roughnecks, the Sea Dragons make the playoffs. Who would have thought the Sea Dragons would make the playoffs? 0-2, going a 7-1 run, and they are in the playoffs. So that's what we're going to talk about right now with the XFL. And in about uh, 10 minutes here or so, we're going to have the talented Candy Cook former uh, LFL superstar, former WFL Mexico superstar, and, of course, current uh, 2023 WNFC Tennessee Trojan. So we're going to dive into her, her journey into the sport, and now playing 11s, obviously, in the States, going from, uh, you know, the 7-on-7 game, going to the 8-on-8 game, and from Mexico to here, and uh, her experiences. So we're going to talk to Candy Cook in about 15 minutes, get the takedown on her career, and then the expectation for the Tennessee Trojans, uh, pretty good game this week for the Trojans in terms of her club. Uh, really good, uh, hard, hard-fought game. Uh, uh, scoring-wise, they did a, another uh, upgrade this week for the Tennessee Trojans. Uh, hats off to their defense as well. But 14-9, to they take care of the Florida Avengers. So we're going to talk to Candy here about what's next for them. Uh, they go on a bye in week five, kind of regroup here and see if they can put a push together for another win. But an impressive victory for them uh, against Florida, 14-9. So it's going to be great to talk to her about uh, how the growth of the Trojans is happening here in uh, going towards the middle of the season here in the WNC. We only got about, uh, I believe, three more weeks to go. So it's going to be interesting as to where Tennessee in their first year ends up. So let's talk uh, XFL, 40-game regular season schedule, four games, uh, 10 weeks. Uh, that was the final this week, uh, week 10. It took all 40 to decide which team got the final berth, playoff berth, uh, in terms of the, uh, the XFL. The, the Sea Dragons entered their uh, Sunday night matchup against the Vipers, and they needed to win uh, to match up against St. Louis, which is a really powerful team, 7-3 and three, St. Louis. The Dragons got the win, so 28-9 as well. So the final playoff berth with a deciding factor 
uh, came through. And so the Sea Dragons, after an 0-2 start, um, they go 7-1 in their last eight and have had a difficult week. Unfortunately, there was an incident. A defensive lineman, Chris Smith, who also played for five uh, different NFL teams in eight seasons, died last Monday at age 31. So the Seattle uh, Sea Dragons wore uh, Smith's number 42 on their helmets and had his jersey on the sidelines as well. So it's an unfortunate situation that happened there in Seattle. Uh, Seattle does win and knocked out the Battle Hawks. who got an absolute monster effort from A.J. McCarron um, on Saturday more than, uh, more than anything. Uh, so that sets up the playoff matchups here in the, semi, in the uh, semifinals. Uh, Arlington Renegades at Houston Roughnecks. That'll be Saturday on ESPN2. And then Seattle Sea Dragons at the D.C. Defenders. That'll be Sunday, April 30th on ESPN. So the championship game will feature the winners of those two matchups with uh, the final game being Saturday, May 13th. And that will be broadcast on ABC. Um, so the schedule uh, for Week 10 results, uh, Battlehawks 53-burger against Orlando. Hats off to Orlando. They have played really well the last three weeks. Prior to that, they were not very, very hot and not very good. So improvements have been made for the Guardians. Uh, so we've got to give them a you know, shout-out to that. They've done a good job towards the final of the season. They did look very horrible at the beginning of the season. So improvements have been made. And so, you know, shout-out to the Orlando Guardians. Uh, D.C. Defenders, 29. San Antonio Brahmas, 28. San Antonio has struggled since week one. They've not been able to be consistent points on the board here, but they did stay competitive with the Denver, I mean, with the D.C. Uh, Defenders, 29-28. And D.C. lately has been playing a really tight game. So, um, you know, everybody's maybe onto their offense at this point and figuring out how they can control that. So uh, that was interesting on Saturday. And then Sunday, the Roughnecks, 25, Arlington, Renegades, 9. Uh, still continue to struggle in terms of the Renegades. Roughnecks kind of rebound back to their uh, normal form. And Seattle Sea, uh, Seattle sea Dragons, 29. Vegas, Vipers, 9. Uh, I really think Vegas is probably going to shift to San Diego. If you're the owner there, I think it's best that you just go to San Diego. I mean, San Diego is a good market. It's a, it'll be a supportive market. Um, they got women's soccer there, women lacrosse. they got an indoor arena. I mean, they're just... There's a market there, and if you're if the XFL is wise, they will go to uh, they will go to San Diego and take a, you know the Vegas Vipers to San Diego at this point. So interesting to say that. So the Dragons top the uh, the uh, Vipers, uh, as knock off the Battlehawks out of the playoff picture. Well, Seattle uh, led just 6-0 at half, perhaps feeling some nerves in a must-win game. But after that, it was all Sea Dragons. Uh, the Sea Dragons scored a touchdown on four consecutive drives from the end of the second quarter to start the fourth. Uh, the Dragons quarterback, Ben DiNucci, threw for 339 with two with three touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, former NFL receiving Josh Gordon led Seattle with nine catches for 115 yards. Uh, Green had five catches for 88 yards. Two of the Seattle's three losses this season came against the defenders, 22 to and they'll now face each other for a third consecutive time in the playoffs. Uh, McCarron did set an all-time XFL TD record. Uh, six touchdown passes on Saturday, going 28 of 35 for 420 yards. McCarron appears to be the front runner for the XFL MVP in a game with a playoff berth potentially on the line. All St. Louis did was score 53 points. Granted, it is against the Orlando Guardians, who've won one game all season, and explicitly handling the D.C. defenders, their one and only loss. So interesting uh, developed 
develops the development there as well um in terms of the playoff picture but um you know it's 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 uh i guess if you're the St. Louis Battlehawks uh, i mean uh the playoffs the playoff scenario that just came out came about is um you know it was just disappointing basically because <laughs> they've played so well uh they've been playing so well and to uh you know finalize finally get into the situation where you're not going to make the playoffs uh that's kind of interesting to see but there Arlington Houston Seattle DC that's going to be the game the game of of the matchups that you're going to see there so the Brahmas on the other hand um or the I meant, I meant the um the the def- defenders uh, are in good position i think more than likely to win it all um they have a good skill set there it's just going to be a matter of they, they can match up with Houston um San Antonio like i said is somewhat disappointing so the Renegades and Roughnecks not only played in the regular season final uh, finale for each team on Sunday, the Roughnecks won 25-9. They'll also match up again in the playoffs next Saturday with the South Division Championship. And so um, there's a rematch matchup there as, as well. Um, so, like I said, Vegas probably might decide to go to San Diego, depending on what the uh, XFL wants to, wants to do here. Uh, unfortunately, the Battlehawks led the league in attendance, showing that uh, St. Louis is obviously a football town. They still want a football team. And after their three losses this season, two came against the Defenders and the one crucial one against the Sea Dragons. So interesting uh, situation for the XFL, but uh, the playoffs are set. We're going to be uh, getting ready for that as well. So um, if you get if you went to the Hub, you're able to uh, look up everything at the Hub. Uh, we did have action. Uh, let me just go back and re-, re. So we did have action in Lexfa. So uh, from uh, April 18th. So you can get some still photos there as well. So week one, Lexpa, uh, waiting for WF, WFL Mexico to kick off in, I believe, another week here. Uh, we also have, obviously, the Renegades kicking off this week as well um, in terms of the week one against D.C., and that'll be one of the games on the Women's Sports Network's game of the week. The other game is going to be, I believe, uh, Nevada versus Cali War. Nevada, uh, kind of a rough start against Mile High Blaze in the week one matchup, but looking to rebound here and there's a, a, a the recaps there also for the N, nwfl week one uh the 999 uh matchups that were happening we're also going to be diving into afbd this weekend uh and uh, we'll get the results there from the afbd ladies football kickoff as well db uh, dbl2 that's happening there and we're going to be uh anticipating in another week or two in may uh the state of origin uh, Gridiron Australia, State of Origin, the battle between Gridiron Queensland and uh, Gridiron New South Wales is going to happen. So we'll be on top of that as well uh, with uh, WAGL um, in terms of their coverage there and helping us out. And then we also uh, have noticed uh, Utah Girls Football League season is already in swing. So uh, shout out to Shutterstrunk out there and the Utah Girls Football League for posting some cool stuff about the season. Uh, a lot of the girls are playing the games right now back and forth. So um, you know, he's been covering every week. So Shutter Skunk, uh, shout out to him for covering Utah Girls Football League weekly. Um, and so there's a lot of things happening, especially uh, over in Germany as well. Like I said, kicking off there. Uh, we have Alexa week two. Uh, we have the WNFC rankings as well um, on top of that. So a lot of football in this whole May setting. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, Women's Sports Network, two more matchups this weekend. 
We also have uh, Liga Monterey Elite Week 6. We'll have the recaps there from FIBA Sports as well. And if you're inclined, we have the No Joke Football Rankings for the WFA Pro. Uh, top five, I believe. We had uh, Boston, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Cali War, and Minnesota as your top five in terms of our rankings so far. And it's just week one, of course. So the week two should uh, obviously fluctuate at this point. And the road to Canton with Brian Sweeney, Lois Cook, Aaron Turex, and uh, Alex Westad. Don't miss it there. It's on YouTube. You can get the click right there. Road to Canton week one preview. Uh, so breaking down everything that happened in week one there. And so uh, let's go into the uh, no-joke no, no football huddle sponsored by Zazzle.com. Go to the Zazzle shop. Get the Not A Boys game uh, design brand new, bold and direct. Uh, stuff that Cassie Cubis is sporting plus uh, 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 on, on the website as well. So go to IG at No Joke Football. Uh, head out to the Facebook page at No Joke Football, or you go directly to the website at Zazzle.com for slash Grand Beauties. Worldwide shipping up to 30% off on T-shirts this week. So if you want to get one of our favorite T-shirts there, check it out, up to 30% off, Zazzle at Zazzle.com. All right, let's bring in the talented and beautiful Candy Cook in the house in the uh, Zazzle Nojo Football Huddle. Hi, Candy. How are you doing? Hello, 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 guys. How are you doing, Candy? ¿Cómo estás? <laughs> muy bien, muy bien. I'm very good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. Uh, great win for your Tennessee Trojans this week. Uh, very tough battle, but yes, uh, they stood tall. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're very excited. We're very happy for um, our results. You know, hard work pay off sometimes. I was very impressed defensively uh, this week. And every week you guys have gotten better. Every week you've gotten better and better and better. And uh, defensively you guys have uh, been able to cover the edges better. Uh, interior line was better. Uh, I mean, it was just it was a very good uh, team effort on, on, de- on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, we've been watching um, our own film, the way we play, and doing adjustments for uh, the best of the team. You know, things that that we thought was going to work didn't work. So I was like, okay, let's change this. And the communication and the defense side of it um, have improved a lot, especially because now we're in the field. We have a lot of rookies in the team. And now we communicate. They understand uh, the flow of the football game. Yeah, I, I think at the beginning of the season, uh, one of your teammates called me out and said, we're not going to be last. And obviously you guys have proven me wrong already. Because at the beginning of the season, we're like, oh, Tennessee's probably going to finish last. And that has not been the case. So every week, like I said, you, got, you guys have gotten better and better every week in terms of even on the offensive side. Of the, you know, yeah. the, the changes, the interior line has gotten better. The run game is a little bit better. So this week um, – Candy, what was the key to the win, uh, the win this week in terms of you put up offensive points, which is what you wanted, but you did hold Florida almost to almost a shutout. Uh, it was almost a shutout, but nine points, it's, uh, it's very good. Yes, so like I said, we've been um, watching our own film, the way we play and how we adjust to every um, play that we have done in the past. And you have worked, and like I said, communication was the key. Um, previously I was not able to play because of my job and what I do besides football. And this was my first game of the season, and I enjoyed it. I, it was fun. You know, everybody was connected, and 
and we execute it. Before we went to the field, we pray and we say, this is our day. Everything we have done for the past six, seven months, we have to show it. And we did. So um, they are proud of my team. I'm very happy for the outcome. And we have to do do strategic stuff. That's why we have night points on them. We we rather take the safety than uh, on the that last 30 seconds. And it was, I think it was 30 seconds, 40 seconds. I was like, uh, yeah, we'd rather take the safety than, you know, they scored yeah. in and winning. It was a strategic yeah. uh, move. Now, Candy, uh, how are you having fun? This is different than Sevens. You you played WFL down in Mexico, which is similar mm-hmm. to you know, the LFL. And this is Elevens, right? So how are you, how are you transitioning well, to the Elevens game? Well, I played Sevens in Mexico. I played Sevens in the LFL. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously Mexico is like the beginning of – the sevens then upgraded to the LFL, played there for three years. And 11th is a little bit similar just because we just got a bigger space and we have extra players. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really change for my position per se because everybody knows what they're doing. So I'm indeed, when I play defense, I'm always defensive end, oh, linebacker, but at this game I was defensive end. So I know my job. I know my goal. So I communicate with my linebacker on my side. That's anything I have to, that's any all that I have to do. So it's not much different. It's it's, it's football and football is it doesn't change. It's exactly you wanna score, people moving forward and if you know your position and your job and you execute, you will do good. Now, Candy, you were very successful in WFL and then you and then you came over to the L F L how was the LFL experience for you? I know you were, uh, I think, in Chicago, right, and then Nashville. Those are two, the two places you were in. Correct. So um, it was a little bit different. Obviously, uh, the level in Mexico uh, is a is not that high like it was here. Here you have bigger girls. You got. Um, I, I I don't want to sound, but you have all kind of races and and athletes background little bit different from Mexico. Mexico, you usually have um, the same same style girls. But here, when I came and I saw all these six-foot girls, 250 pounds, yeah, it's a big change. And it was a challenge for me being so small. Um, it was a difficult time for me in Chicago. I mean, I got to play, but it was so hard for me to stop uh, somebody who's 6'4 and 250 pounds and all muscles, you know? So it was, yeah. it was challenging. It was, it was harder, obviously, than WFL, but um, we made it through. And I uh, got here in Nashville, and uh, and I got to play. So. The experience you had with the Knights, um, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Everybody thought that, you know, we'd have more seasons with Nashville, considering you were playing with Matheny and uh, Schnorr, right? You had a pretty good, pretty right. good crew there in terms of the atmosphere. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out, but that was a really good, fun team to watch. Yes. So our first season was our best season, obviously, we could, because we had her. And and we created a good flow in the team. Obviously, we had the best. I mean, they, they've been killing it for years. I remember back in 2011 when I saw the first Tampa Bay um, it was Tampa Bay Breeze or something like that that it was called before. 
And I remember uh, a couple of the players, including Rossini, uh, playing. So the opportunity of playing seven years later, among, you know, next to her, it was a, a dream come true. So, and they did the best. You already know that. So it, it was very excited, and it was an upgrade. Obviously, Chicago is a little bit more aggressive. I would say it has more weight to it. Um, team was a little bit smarter in the field. So we didn't have that old muscle and not tall girls, but we had the, the brain. Yeah, a lot more speed in that National Knights team than anything. You guys had a lot Correct, more speed. Yes. Yeah, more mm-hmm. fire burners. Uh, where I think, uh, like to your point, the bliss was a little bit more of, you know, a, a wall buildup. So it's, they, they weren't as fast, but they, they were hard to obviously overcome. Uh, but, you know, Hack, Hack always had pretty good uh, pretty good defensive front girls up at the front. Oh, yeah. With the, with the intimidation. Great. I, I love, uh, when I play with him, I love how he managed the team. He's very smart. He knows what he wants for the team, and the team follows. So, um, but he, he doesn't <laughs> – he puts ideas, he sit down, he analyzes everybody and what everybody can do. And he would tell you, he would not bullshit. Hey, you suck at catching. Let me put you in this position. He would tell you. Which is oh. which is what you want to hear anyways. Don't you think as a player, like if your deficiencies are that, you don't want to be hindering the, the team, right? If you're If you're prone to be bad at something, that's the one thing you don't want to like, you know, stand out as, right? You don't want to be known as this person right. that just creates fumbles. And, and gives the ball away, right? It's like that's not what you want as a player. You want to be able to improve, right? And be and if your skill set isn't that, then you got to be aware of that. Whatever your skill set at, that's where you want to do it. Because I know in the past we've talked to players, right? And some players are like, I'm just a running back. I like to go between the tackles and get hit hard, but there's no way I can, you know, I can do screens or, or catch a, a pass in space, right? But you can you can carry right. the rock basically. Yeah, so you, you as a player, you have to know what you're capable of. I mean, when I play running back, I love it. I love to hit people, and I was good at it. Now, there were other people that were better than me, and I have to understand that, okay, so I'm good by what I do. What else can I do to improve just in case somebody else get hurt? Because if you're not starting, um, you have to know that you're the option. If that person gets injured, you it. So you have to be prepared. And that's one of the things sometimes teams are have lack of athletes and uh, they don't, obviously everybody has jobs or they're out of town and not every week they, they were there. So they have to work with what they have. And guess what? They have to put them in, in the game because they were accountable. They were every day, every weekend. So um, probably you know you're not very good at catching hands, but that's what they have because they practice with you. You know the plays. So it's difficult for um, team owners, but he was not—he was not scared of telling you, "Hey, you suck," and he will make no, anybody I know, cry. I've, I've interviewed him before, and uh, his attitude is that exactly what you said, right? If, if you're not—if you don't want to take honesty, then you don't need to be on the team, right? Because you got to be able yeah. to take self—you know—some some criticism, right? You got to be able to view mm-hmm. it. And his point's always yeah. been like, when I talk to him, you know what he said: "Film doesn't lie." It's like you want yourself. You can replay yourself, right? So if you're not doing the, right. if you're not making it happen, the film's going to show you're not making it happen. So it's not like he's telling you what you're not capable of. And that's why we have improved 
uh, in Trojans because we have seen a uh, team how we play. Okay, we need to mm-hmm. let me change this person to this position because I think you can be better, or let me change the way mm-hmm. you're doing this because of that. So that's why we came along this last weekend. Obviously, we have a lot of work to do. Like I said, we are a rookie team. I mean, this only is mm-hmm. veterans, like three, four, I think four, five. I mean, less than 10, or oh, 45. So, um, but they are doing great. They're learning. They're improving every day, and that's wonderful, you know? Yeah, no, that's where you want to be because uh, at this point, we didn't anticipate, uh, you know, an expansion team like yourselves to be, you know, in that, in that mix in the, uh, in the Atlantic between the two top teams, which is uh, Texas and, um, and, you know, and the Phoenix. But, you know, you guys played, uh, I think it was the, the, the opening game, probably a learning experience, right, against a, a fast team like the Phoenix, very skilled on, at the mm-hmm. offensive level. Uh, the defense is very good. And then you guys played uh, Florida, and I think that, that, w- that should have been your first win because I watched that game. And there was a lot of opportunities there for you guys to put up some points, and it just didn't happen. But I think that would have been, you know, Which that's one, where uh, Florida, I think, got, a, got away with one. Oh, the one for uh, last weekend, like the two weeks before that? Yeah, the one on April 8th, which was you guys at Florida. I think yeah. it was raining at the time. There was like It was really wet, and so they played, but yeah, your, your I, squad I didn't, I didn't almost pulled out the win. Yeah, so I, I was not there for that game, unfortunately. Um, or the first game. I mean, I was there for the first game. I just didn't play because of uh, mm-hmm. my requirements at the moment. So, but uh, I think we learned from our mistake, and that's what is so good about this team, that we learn from mistakes that mm-hmm. we have done and we work so hard for not repeating it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I was very impressed defensively this past week because you guys really played really good game. Um, you guys, uh, you know, stood tall. Uh, there's a couple plays in there. Um, I think uh, Stacy Krimmer really stood out. Uh, you had Courtney Mosier stood out. Uh, mm-hmm. all, Lydia, Lydia just, I mean, everywhere almost. Uh, Jarrett, Lydia Jarrett, um, she was just everywhere almost. And then uh, also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Riley Marsh. So there, there's a couple of beasts on defense that are going to be very beneficial for you guys, especially uh, up against Philadelphia this next week. They're in the same boat. They're most of a more of a must win for them than it is for you guys. But this is a really good matchup for you guys in terms of where you're at. It's similar to a Florida matchup. Um, you guys are on the road. It's a, it's a key matchup there. They have a pretty good defense as well. So it's going to be a challenge offensively for you guys. Yeah, I, I don't like like uh, to talk about we're going to win, we're going to do this, we're going to do. I I I'm a fan <laughs> or working on silent and just showing out. Um, I, yeah. I don't – you would not see me in social media saying we're going to beat this team. I'm going to show them what I got. No. I'm just going silence and show it. And that's it. You walk out. Yeah, no, and, and that's, you never know that's, that's, that's fine. But what I'm saying to you is uh, it's, a good, it's going to be a good matchup coming up this week because you guys are playing really good ball this past week, right, defensively and offense. Mm-hmm. You guys were able to score two touchdowns. This week, Philadelphia coming off a loss as well uh, against Washington. So they'd like to get yeah. a rebound, right, a rebound win. So it's going to be a, a really good matchup between the two of you because you're in that mix too. Um, if you get this win, you're going to be in that uh, Atlantic mix, if I'm correct, um, right below them. They need this win more than you guys. I, I, not to say that you guys don't want to win it, but you guys would be at 2-2. Two and two. You get this win, 
the big two and two mm-hmm. for you guys. First season, very impressive for the first three weeks if you guys get the second win. Right. So, we, like I said, we've been working and silently working hard to get mm-hmm. that because that's the goal after just get that win, you know. But, uh, like I said, we just I, – I am a big fan of working and silently. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with that. I mean, that's what you got to do, right? You just got to show it on the field, prove prove your worth right there and all. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think What do you think right now, Candy, um, offensively? Uh, you guys r- did a really good job this past week. Uh, Tessa had a rough week one against the Phoenix. She's kind of somewhat mm-hmm. rebound already, uh, you know, kind of gotten a little better in terms of attempts and also completions. Um, and you have Jarrett. Jarrett, uh, between her and Jarrett, the run game is really good. And then, you know, first TD in Trojan history, you know, shout out to Damela Holiday, two touchdowns. What, a, what, a, what an awesome Yay. performance. Yay, she's a goat. <laughs> she's a beast. That was impressive. She's a beast. Yes. She's a beast and she, she she's a beast. Um, we were so, so happy. And, and that was the right time to, to do the play, too. Because mm-hmm. we knew that yep. we had her. That's the only thing we needed. I mean, you guys understand uh, that that game when I was watching it, uh, the first shot that she got, and she got it really, you know, open space and also got the nice connection, right? And then I'm thinking to myself, this is this is what the uh, offensive coordinator has to go with, right? Isolate the side yeah. and, give, and give her the space because she's got speed. If you just throw the ball – a little deep on, on the corners, she's going to nail it every time because she's got agility too. So um, just, just a great performance by her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, like I said, we've been working since last year, and it paid off. Yeah, I know. It's, just, it's an impressive bunch. I think uh, uh, to your point, uh, you guys are working in silence. You guys are getting better every week, like you said, right? You guys are just proving it on the field, getting it done. Um, very good win against uh, the Avengers, uh, like, I, like I just mentioned earlier, when I watched the tape on the first game uh, when you guys were in Florida, that was a winnable game too. That would have been your first win. So, you know, three wins in a row here would have been possible, you know, them, you know what I'm saying? So now we're going for win number two against Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, shout out to your team, like you're mentioning here. Everybody's yeah. uh, working their asses off to get better and improve. And I think it's, it's actually starting to show, right? Yes, it does. You know, the funny thing, uh, Molly – uh, QB for uh, Avengers used to be our QB here in Nashville mm-hmm. for our LFL night. Yep. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, so I remember her. Good, yeah, so it was it was a good uh, seeing again seeing us in the field on the different league, but still playing football. So it was I didn't even know tight. Salazar was around. Salazar, I, I didn't realize Salazar was on the running back until last week when they started mentioning 25 Salazar, and I'm like, Salazar? You know, Atlanta, Atlanta, right? Um, so it's like yeah. there's a bunch of, there's a, a bunch of uh, uh, former LFL players now, uh, you know, they're just trying to stay conditioned, right? Especially if they're going to try yes. to come back for the like, 2024. Yes. So, it's, like I say, it's not just about – because LFL, besides the good football, is a show and, 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 is, and entertaining. Now – People like us are still playing football. We are the real athletes. We are the people that want to continue playing the sports, not for the for the likes or for the likes. It's for actually the game because we love the game. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no. And, and Candy, you had a good career so far. Uh, what made you come to the States originally? I mean, you, you were doing well at, in, in the WFL from what, we, from what we know. You know, I don't know your backstory, so <laughs> I'm just assuming, right? You were doing well in, in Merida, uh, but, but you obviously came to the States. You had a really good time, uh, obviously, in Chicago, and I know there's always nightmare stories with the LFL, right, with the experiences and the yeah. coaches and well, all the backstories that happened. But, but you, you, you know, you went from Mexico to U.S. as a transition. So, you know, why the transition from Mexico to U.S., basically, that would be the question. And I think you, you, you probably know this, but I think I reached my max with WFL. And I will go back and play just for fun, for real. But I have, when I play over there, I have reached the uh, defensive player of the game, defensive player of the year, uh, all-star games. I did those two. So, like, I reached my max. And I wanted to, to get more challenge. Because at this point, it was like, okay, 11 sacks a game, yeah, that's a piece of cake. It was too much. I need I needed something to challenge me. So when I came to the tryout in Chicago, um, that was that was my challenge. That was my time. Okay, this is different. This is gonna be harder. This is what I want to do. So uh, like I say, I would love to go back to WFLA, WFLA just to have fun and play. I would go back to my team Rangers. Shout out to them because I told the coach, Hey coach. If I'm not playing after the season is over, you can count on me. So, like I said, I, just for the fun of it, because I love the sport. But, um, but Candy, that, that was the real reason. Candy, um, that league has grown. I mean, that uh, you thought for sure it was going to fade out, but it's actually been structured well enough to where now it's several seasons, right? You got V uh, Queen Saltillo. You got a bunch of teams well, now nationwide. <laughs> you got 18 teams, and that's yep. we started with 18, and then we went to 16, then 18. There was a time the register was 22 teams registered, and then mm-hmm. they combined two teams just because there were not enough players um, in that same city. Because some, if you go uh, and check the schedule, you have teams in the same city, two teams in the same city, because so many players. Yeah, especially and Central been, Mexico. And it's being a professional league, you don't have no issues with this league or um, drama. So that's why it has grown, and we respect it a lot. Yeah, I know because I talked to uh, Mar- uh, Maritza Paramillo a couple times. I've talked to her, you know, to preview the seasons that come up and everything else. Mm-hmm. And so she's always been, you know, being able to be upfront with me in terms of what's happening for real. But she's, she said the same thing you're saying here. It's It's grown to a point where it's respected and, it's a, it's a it's a you know pro league no different than the LFL would be in terms of you know in terms of admiration right and so I mean I think they the the teams have some of the franchises have really stood out right as as the flag bearers of the league right like like uh, the V Queens and Saltillo have really respected in terms of their community yeah, and V-Queens stuff like that. Yeah, V Queens is a big team. I mean they they're big. They're good. Um, like. Um, <laughs> They offered me before, hey, just leave Rangers, come to us. And I'm like, I am yep. loyal to my team. I don't care. I'm sorry. I love Well, you know, recruiting, uh, Candy, recruiting top talent is what everybody wants. Everybody wants to bring top talent, right? They see you that you're a beast. They're like, hey, we want you on our team. Come on over. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, And you are very yeah, talented. But I will go uh, all throughout your career, you've, 
you've been very out, very outstanding in terms of performances. Um, so, uh, Candy, what what is it uh, uh, about the WNFC that said, hey, I, I want to play the WNFC since you were doing other things anyways, uh, not football-related, but what made you go, hey, I'm gonna just going to play in the WNFC next year? Well, um, so previous to this, I played in a WFA. So that was mm-hmm. the – I played for that team. I played for DC Divas my first year, and that was back in 2017. And after that, I came to Nashville and played for the Mystics. And that league, yeah, they, they have a structure, but I wanted a little bit more established league, something a little bit more professional. With me, everything is about stability, professionalism, and football. I don't like mm-hmm. the drama. I don't like the the shady stuff. So or when they presented me the project, the owners of the team, I was like, hey, I'm down with you. I like what I see. I like what they promote. And majority of my friends that played previous in, in WFA and LFL, we said, hey, this is what is going on, what you guys think. And we all agreed at the same time. That's why we all play in this league because – it's some, it was something different from what we experienced before. So they have many teams and growing opportunities. Like I said, it's more organized, and and that's what makes me decide it. I think Probably it's much needed. Don't you think the, the business side of professionalism in the, in, the, in the sport is what we needed to get to? I've, I've been hammering it since day one since I, you know, obviously covered the sport. And I've always said, you know, mm-hmm. we got to get the pro level, right? We got to get to the point where we yes. cut off the, the players yes. that have to pay. So it's like it's it's a sacrifice of this generation for the next generation, maybe seven years, ten years down the road, for them to receive a paycheck. It, it might be even sooner than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, they, what they are showing, what they want to the people to know about football and women's football. Is what you got me. This is yes, I'm going with you. So that's what it drew me into it. And then the owners of this team, they're amazing people. They have a reputation too. And if they go, they tell me they're going left. I'm going behind right there. I trust them. So if that's another thing you have to look at. You have you see the owners of some teams. They're shady. My team, we 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 sell. Yeah, I'm, and that's that happens throughout the sport, unfortunately, and that's not something that you want to be a part of, right? Because then you're sacrificing your body, injuries, and if things aren't going well, then there's obviously administrative issues that obviously come morality. as well. Morality, yeah, exactly. I'm telling you that exactly. that's why I choose this thing. That's why I yeah. say yes to the dress. <laughs> that's true. Um, let's go there since you already bring it up. So. Um, very uh when you're on social media uh your social media is very attractive in terms of visuals and and your name and your you stand out and so what is the other side of candy cook that is not gridiron or badass on a field football field what you mean what i do for a living yes candy what you do for a living i i can't disclose that per se not okay, yet. so you're a CIA agent that I cannot disclose where like you're said, at. Like I said, I can't point. disclose what I do for work. <laughs> I work for the government. Anyway, I, I know I, I know from your background that you're no different than I am. You're a military brat girl, probably, right? You're in the military <laughs> yeah. as far as I know. Yeah, right? 
So uh, we'll yes. just, you want me just to leave it at that, that you're just a mil- military girl? <laughs> yes, they're going to leave it like that. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say uh, if people didn't know that, then obviously they know now that you're a military girl, and so you're fine. Um, but, you know, that also t- teaches you discipline, right, to your point earlier uh, about yes. accountability, making sure everything goes in, in a certain uh, aspect of things, right? And And you have mm-hmm. an eye for that, especially when you're in the service, because you're always looking, you know, to combat the enemy. And you can spot the enemy right away. You can spot a faker right away, as my old sergeant would say. And if you can, you know, don't want to be part of that, then you've got to be able to sway and move on. Oh, definitely. You want to be comfortable whenever, whatever you are, especially with sports, you need to be comfortable and trust your coaches, your teammates. Like, if that's uncomfortable, you don't play the same. And that's the truth. Nobody can tell me that they're – not comfortable in a team and they play well. There's no way. Yep. So no, you're it right. goes hand to hand. You go yeah, you're right. hand to so. hand. And I think that's the key, right? That's the key. If you're not if you're not comfortable, you don't trust people, uh, you're not gonna be able to play your best, right? Because then you're you're second guessing. Exactly. And that also leads to injuries. Exactly. If you don't trust it tells you honors everything falls apart because they trust in you in the field to perform. But if you don't trust them, you got nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. Um, okay, let's go Let's go a different route then. So we're not going to go to the personal. So your IG is big in terms of fan following. Um, so, I mean, you got more X-League followers, you think, than you do anything else? Or do you feel you still have fans from the X-League? Days, because I know a lot of the, you know, former players that I interview, you know, like Jane Caldwell, for example, doesn't do XFL anymore, but or, or LFL, but she's got a huge following. So is is your following on IG, um, I would say, a lot of fanfare for you? You still get like, oh, you know, we miss you playing in the, in the LFL. So um, I don't know what my IG decides to do. My IG is funny because one day is happy and I get. 15,000 people in there, and another day you get two. So I'm not sure who I have. Um, obviously, my following started from a martial arts background and my sport, um, my tournaments that I fought. Uh, it comes mm-hmm. from there, majority. Then when it came to LFL, obviously grew, and obviously I just from the rugby um, teams, and it grew more because now I have friends from all over the world. So mm-hmm. uh, it keeps growing because of the sport. So, yeah, I post now and there some pictures, <laughs> but it grows more when the sport. So people ask me, hey, where are your games? Where can I see it? So um, it's from the sport majority. Especially my, in my Facebook, I have more interaction than my Instagram. Like my fan page and Facebook is every day somebody asking me about Oh, what do you do, especially kids? Like, oh, um, I'm starting right now playing flag. Uh, what exercise can I do to be faster or to do this, to do that? So it's kind of nice. Yeah, no, and, and it's, great that, it's great that you have a large following. I, I hope you're taking advantage of some uh, profitability from IG. Are you doing, like, anything to profit from the IG? You know, your stories and, I, and you're getting stars and stuff like that? Well, yes. I do. Um, unfortunately, uh, Facebook and Instagram uh, closed the 
partnership with us making money off of them, sadly. I used to make money from reels, pictures, stories, oh, yeah, I know. anything. And now this is the I, last I don't know, I don't know how you – how do you know you go popularity candy and then all of a sudden you cut off all, your, all the people that are actually driving metrics and traffic? <laughs> I don't understand how that happens. Well, I'm exactly. In, I'm the same boat you are. I used to make good money. Good money. No, from I know. And I'm, sudden, I'm in the same boat you are. It was like, how does how, how do I just what? And you and one from one day to the next, pretty much, right? It was only like a thirty day warning or something. Yes, exactly. So they told me, hey, this is the last time. And and honestly, I, I've been seeing like a month prior, I made a couple hundred dollars less than the way before, and it started going down. And I think. I think he affected like he was preparing us, you know. Yeah. So. But everybody's on TikTok now, is, Candy. So I guess TikTok's where the where we got to sway to. I said everybody's on TikTok now, so it's where we got to sway to, I guess, to to generate revenue. Because that's where the yeah. idea came from, anyways. From reels was from TikTok. Well, I I have a TikTok, but I'm not very into TikTok. If you know what I mean. It's not my Yeah, thing. I know. TikTok has to be creative. I, ha- I haven't figured out how to put our platform in a TikTok mode, right? Because it's either individual personality or it's uh, you just copy copy other people's – I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I, I treat TikTok to me as more like uh, a young kid's platform. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where I'm maybe outdated. That's exactly how I feel. Yeah, that's how I feel every time I see it. It's like, yeah, that's a bunch of kids. Doing this, not me. Yeah, no, it's, it's just, not for it's me. Different, but hey, I different. have, I have like, and I have used it. It's just not my style, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we haven't been able to figure out how we can kind of gave up on it. I was like, I'm not gonna spend all that energy on it, right? It's not gonna generate. So, but I know a lot of the football teams are on TikTok because obviously it generates awareness and it, it brings mm-hmm. attention, you know, that kind of stuff. So you can use it as a marketing tool, right? In that sense. All right, um, so I think I kept you long enough. Uh, unless I didn't ask you anything that you want me to ask you to, uh, I really appreciate you making the time. Looking forward to you guys going up against Philadelphia Phantoms here, checking out you guys this weekend in terms of, uh, I believe it's going to be the 20, oh, I'm sorry, two weeks from today. I'm wrong. So you get a bye yeah. week this week so we're gonna have to rest today, up. Actually. And then you get uh, Philadelphia, and then you're going to get basically three games in a row, right? Philly, and then you guys get Houston, and then you finish up in Washington. We don't have a break after that, so it's going to be running crazy. Yeah. So um, you are fully back for the three games that are coming up at, at this point, or are you still going to, like, not play one of those games? I will be. Yes, I will be playing the next three games. Okay. So, uh, Candy, can oh, I say we're so punching in Ws? Dead. You say what? We're punching in W's. Get the upset in Washington. I can't. Upset in Houston. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. What you said? No, I said, are you are you waiting to uh, ready to go to get the upset in Houston? Get the upset in Washington. Well, Houston is coming to us. We're going to Philly and mm-hmm. DC. I am um, so get ready. So I am anticipating uh, W's. That's what I'm saying to you, because you guys have been playing really, really I, good I games. I know so. that, but like I said, 
I never. One game uh, at a time. Never, I know. One game at a time. That's what everybody tells me. <laughs> yeah, one game, at a time. one game at a time, and we work hard to get the win. Uh, we work hard every time, but I'm, I'm not claiming anything. I'm not saying we're gonna beat the hell out of them. Nothing like that. That's not the way I move. Candy, uh, uh, just tell uh, the Tamela uh, Holiday. Tell her a uh, shout out to her. Okay, badass, kick ass, two touchdowns. Goes down in Trojan history as the first person to score points for the Tennessee Trojans forever. Not just it's forever now. So she's part of the uh, you know, the history of the Trojans. Say less. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. Have a great uh, week. Rest up and looking forward to watching you on W Score going up against the Philly Phantoms. Uh, I believe it's on May sixth. Yes, correct. <laughs> All right, see you soon. Have Thank great, you. Have a great night, okay? You too. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that was uh, Candy Cook. Uh, you can follow her at Candy Cook Official on uh, IG, uh, so you can follow her stories there as well. Uh, like you said, very talented individual, um, you know, karate, uh, martial arts. Um, she was playing in the WFL Mexico. Um, she migrated to the LFL. She played in, in Chicago Bliss. She played in the Nashville Knights. Uh, she did play in the, in the WFA as well, as she mentioned earlier, with the DC Divas. I think it was Music City as well. So now she's taking advantage of the uh, WNFC 2023 t- uh, Tennessee Trojans. And what a story for the Trojans this past week, an exciting story. Like I, we just talked to her, you know, a, a very impressive win. Very good team win, both both offensively and defensively, and uh, we're able to take advantage of that. And uh, Tamela Holiday, uh, I think it was uh, 15 yards, three carries, uh, average five yards per carry, plus that 12 long yards, plus the two TDs uh, from uh, Tessa Ortiz March. So uh, this uh, this Trojan team right now in the mix in the Atlantic, they do have a tough schedule coming up here after this bye. So they're going to get uh, the Philadelphia Phantoms. Then they're going to go, uh, I believe, they're hosting the Houston Mamba, uh, Mambas. Houston Mambas. And then uh, the Washington Prodigy will end their season. So opportunity for them to shine in the next three weeks. If they get the win at Philly, uh, this win at Philly would be very, very instrumental. That would be a 2-2 two and two for the season. So that is uh, votes well for them in terms of their program, in terms of not finishing at the bottom of the WNFC. And if they get if they go competitive against Houston, uh, maybe uh, competitive as well against the Prodigy. Uh, looking forward to obviously the Trojans in 20, 2024 being a, a lot more different than they were in the inaugural season. But a big win, fourteen to nine, this past weekend uh, against the Avengers. And like I told Candy, there uh, the the win uh, week week uh, I believe uh, against the week before against uh, the Avengers. Um, that was uh, an opportunity for them. They could have had maybe three in a row at this point. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see where they land in terms of the uh, matchups coming up here as well. So if you guys haven't uh, head over to the, if you haven't heard, uh, head over to the hub at facebook.com forward slash grab beauties. Got a, a bunch of stories there from the games that happened this weekend. Uh, we also have the St. Louis lamb uh, women's uh, live broadcast. And that was courtesy of the St. Louis Live, uh, Saint, uh, Saint, on, Saint, Saint, on live stream St. Louis, I meant. So you can watch the full game there. Minnesota Vixen taking on the St. Louis Slam. 
right there uh, via YouTube. Uh, also, the latest episode of The Jelly J Show by Jane Conwell, and uh, she's uh, interviewing Michelle Marshall, the Michelle Marshall of the Austin Acoustics. Uh, and then you also had the Pittsburgh Passion, uh, uh, the Women's Sports Network uh, Game of the Week, and that was uh, Divas versus the Passion. If you missed it, make sure you watch it, uh, thewomensportsnetwork.com. Get the links at wfaprofootball.com, wfaprofootball.com. You get the link right there to where to watch it. You can watch it on Roku and, and other platforms as well. And then the upgraded unis by the DC Divas, uh, you can check out the talented Chris, Christiana Burton uh, displaying the D.C. Uh, new unis, uh, kind of a more of a burgundy-like, darker burgundy with uh, a little bit of gold fill on there with the white lettering. So uh, check it out, D.C. Divas right there. And uh, you're also going to get the still photos from some of the awesome um, pictures that happened at the U.K.-Sweden IFAB European Women's uh, Match 1 Championship that was uh, the Great Britain Lions taking on Sweden, and those are the pictures that came out there as well. And then we're anticipating WFL Mexico, as we just talked to Candy here, WFL Mexico anticipation, and uh, our own Anna Garza from our No Joke Football Project. Anna Garza will be playing in Saltillo for the V-Queens of Saltillo, the champions for this upcoming season. Uh, and unfortunately was under the weather and having some health issues, but she's actually started to rebound. She's feeling a lot better, and this is a kind of a moment to get back into, onto the field again. So uh, Anna Garza will be competing in the WFL 2023 season, uh, and then we anticipate the start of the Central Canadian Women's League season as well right around the corner. Uh, so we're looking at a couple. Um, it's going to be the, uh, I believe, Montreal Blitz uh, as well, and uh, a couple of the teams as well, Montreal Blitz, and I believe four teams in that realm as well for the CC, uh, CCWFL. Um, so you get the uh, lowdown down. They're doing off-season practices right now. Um, they're going to be able to, um, you know, match up together. So you got, I believe, football Quebec, uh, Phoenix. Uh, you also have, I believe, York region and then the Montreal Blitz as for the four teams that are going to be competing in the 2023 Saison 2023 season. Uh, that's in French. Uh, so you get to catch it there. We'll be covering them as well. And then you get week one uh, recap action of the Mayas, the champions from Lafay. Uh, Mayas football week one action there uh, from Farjack Siki out of uh, uh, Instagram. So they're really, really good steal photos there. Plus uh, the talented Team Marie photography showcasing all the action that's happened in the Utah Girls Football League uh, up to now uh, with some really awesome photos of the girls playing awesome football in Utah. And we're going to uh, basically go forward. Uh, we had game, game days uh, for the rankings, I believe, for the WNC rankings. But you do have uh, the uh, Road to Canton Week 1 with Brian Sweeney, Lois Cook, Aaron Truex, and Alex Westad. They broke down Week 1 there. And you anticipate Road to Canton Week 2 here. I think it's either tomorrow or before Friday. And uh, we'll upload that as soon as they upload it on uh, the WFA um, YouTube channel as well. And then uh, breaking down the Nojo football rankings. So our rankings are up for the WFA preseason rankings. Um, we got a, a very unique point system. So we give points to the offense. It's not a massy system. To the offense. And then we give points to the defenses. So the defenses are equal to the offenses. So if the, you know, if the defenses hold a team, 
you know, below 20 points, they get a certain point. If they hold them under 10 points, they get a certain point. And if they, the team loses by so many points in terms of giving up points on defense, then they obviously get minus points as well. So it's a, kind of an even keel. Uh, so at this point, the week one rankings for the WFA – uh, as it stands right now, and the next rankings will be up Friday in terms of week two rankings uh, prior to the Saturday matchups. So at this point, uh, the Renegades are number one. Then we have the Slam, number two. Pittsburgh Passion, number three. We have Cali War at four. We have uh, Minnesota Vixen at five. Then we jump into number six, uh, the Tampa Bay Inferno. Then it's Nevada Storm, seven. Eight is DC Divas. Nine is the Arlington Impact. And then uh, you have the Houston Energy, number 10, rounding down the top 14. 11, Detroit, uh, Alabama, number 12. Dallas, uh, the Dallas Elite Mustangs, 13. And then the 14 with Mahai Blaze. So that's going to obviously switch out and change as we go into the next week as well. Power rankings for the WNFC week four should be out tomorrow or not Thursday. We also have the rundown of week six in the Monterey Elite uh, League. If you missed it, the games on WFA Pro Women's Sports Network weekend, Nevada versus Malhai, and then Pittsburgh versus D.C. You can catch it on Tubi, uh, Sports TV, Roku, Zumo, FUBU, uh, as well as on the Women's Sports Network channel as well. So um, looking forward to this weekend here. So let's bring in the Oracle of Women's Soccer Football the backseat coach, Mark Simone, in the house. We're going to talk week five. Week four recap as well. Mark, how's it going? Uh, it's going all right. How are you doing, Oscar? Good. I see you're on the road. It's very, uh, very my I, lifestyle. <laughs> That's right. I am uh, calling to you from the open road. I don't know. Is this the open road? What does that even mean? Uh, yeah, I'm just driving home, so I'll try and be. I'll try and keep it on the pavement as I'm talking to you. Uh, oh, no problem. Uh, Mark, uh, interesting matchup in Week Five. Uh, Glory Bandits. Wow. Well, if you, if, I mean, that was either two bad offenses or two very impressive defenses, depending, depending on how you looked at it. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to hear what um, a, a a person who isn't familiar with either of the teams, like what their take would be on it. Because uh, it could be either one of those. Of course, I think the reality lies somewhere in between. Um, you know, both of those defenses are pretty good. Um, in fact, those defenses are the best things about those teams. And I just don't think their offenses are very are very good yet. Um, and it, it was scoreless the entire game uh, through all through regulation. Uh, and into overtime, it was it was a real struggle uh, to get a score. Now, Denver did have a couple chances uh, with uh, trying to kick the ball, and they did try and kick the ball, but um, they were unable to to kick a field goal um, earlier in the game. And uh, you know, they would have won they would have won it in regulation if they were able to pull that off, but it didn't happen. So that was yeah, that was a tough game to watch. It was very frustrating as as a person who, you know, likes to see, you know, some, you know, offensive efficiency, uh, some scoring is always fun. Even if the defense scores the ball, a special team, something. But they weren't giving us anything. <laughs> I think offensively uh, we knew Denver was better. 
KC kind of shot themselves in the foot with a lot of penalties. Substitutions have been a big issue in the WNFC week to week this year for some reason. It's like a lot of penalties on substitutions. I'm really wondering a lot of injuries. Yeah, so I think there was a few delay of the game. You know, a lot of procedural sort of penalties called here and there, and that, that doesn't help. So the overtime mark, that was interesting. We finally got to see what the WNFC overtime rules are, right? Which is an opportunity right. for each team, and you're able to go to the point where you get it to the two-yard line as a, as a last resort. So if you can't score from the two as a last resort, then you're pretty much you're bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was um, it was very interesting to see that uh, play out. Um, as frustrating as frustrating as it was to to watch it, it, you know, at least we know now what that actually looks like. And they, you know, the refs executed the, uh, the rule book, uh, and so, so that's what it was. So if nothing else, anybody wanted to get a replay of that game could fast forward really to the to the end just to see how the, the playoff, uh, sorry, the overtime rules um, were actually applied. And we knew the, uh, the 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 analysis we gave last week was it, it was key for them to use Cooper, and Denver finally figured it out in the fourth quarter. Trying to frustrate between Carla, uh, Carla, and, and, and Grace, and really making that happen. And so I think they, if they would have really stuck to the run game in terms of putting her in the mix, it would have been different. But uh, they did get that uh, she did get the touchdown basically. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's automatic for Grace Cooper. Two yards out, you got to put it in the end zone. That was kind of a no-brainer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they had decided to do anything other than that, then uh, we wouldn't be talking about a win for the Denver Bandits right now. Um, but, I mean, as it was, I mean, it was, you know, it was it was a game where we really saw, like, you know, offensive struggles, like, you know, yep. getting the right call. It just, it wasn't happening, right? And, it's not like Cooper wasn't involved, you know, in, earlier in the game. You know, she was. Um, but, you know, things, no one could really put together a, a, good, a good drive and, and punch it in. Yeah, it was uh, – offensively, it was, bad, it was a bad game to watch because there was just uh, – offenses were just fumbling everything. Defensively, it was a great game to watch because – you know, nobody was allowed to score, right? And field position was kept at a, at a minimum and stuff like that. So that was right. key, I think, for that. Exactly. I think one thing that sort of uh, also changed the, uh, the outlook of the game was the fact that Ken Gabriel was not there and playing for Kansas City. Um, so, you know, there, you know, we were expecting, I think when we were uh, previewing the game, we were talking about, that being mm-hmm. one of the keys to, for, for Kansas City to possibly um, pull out a victory to get Ken Gabriel going. And so in, in the absence of, of, of that remarkable player, you know, Kansas City really didn't have, didn't have much of an answer for, for that. I think that hurt them, to your point, right? Because that's an offensive weapon they could have oh, yeah. used. And then it was between Gomez, wow, it did not help that they are uh, obviously under pressure all game. 
they were not able to make anything happen. And I think Gomez got injured or got thrown out of the game in terms of, you know, for whatever reason. I think he might have gotten hurt. And then it was Lauren's opportunity here. And Lauren had not been uh, shining very well the last couple of weeks either. So that also didn't help. You know? Right. Um, in the preview for this game, we talked about, you know, there possibly being quarterback controversy in Kansas City. Um, and, you know, we definitely got, <laughs> you know, that that question isn't answered. You know, who is the who is the starting quarterback? Who is the quarterback for uh, the glory? Um, I, I think when it came down to crunch time, now I don't know exactly what the circumstances were with all the, you know, all the players um, at the quarterback position. But when it came down to the end of it, it, it was Crouch under center. Um, so. So there's that. That might be encouraging for Lauren Crouch to know that she was called on. Um, but the flip side of that, you know, they didn't get the job done, you know, <laughs> and and they took the L. So next, you know, we gotta wait again till next week to see really come with the uh, quarterback position in Kansas City. Well, Mark. At this point, that was a great game to watch if you had, a, you know, if you were a defensive fan. It was a good game to watch until overtime. You get the final two points. Um, if you're Oregon, you needed this rebound game against LA for a couple injuries on the LA team as well, including Donna Donna Box with the femur break. Uh, a couple injuries on the LA LA Legends there. So, but Oregon, a must-win uh, situation we talked about, and they do come through with a seven-to-zero win. Yeah, that was. That was uh, a, maybe a little bit of a surprise, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but Oregon pulled it out, and you know, kudos to them. Um, their defense uh, remains uh, pretty strong. You know, they, they they posted a shutout exactly when they they needed it the most. Now Washington against Philly, we anticipated Philadelphia to have a better performance offensively. They did do a better performance offensively because they got routed 30 to zero the first game. Now they held them to 22 points, so much improved defense. Uh, we thought for sure the Philly offense would get going here, but uh, it never matured. And of course, Ballard and company did rebound from that, you know, that that Mississippi battle. Right and. You know, as a further complication in this game, um, there was, like, torrential rain falling, and the game was delayed, you know, at least twice that I know of. So I I think both the teams kind of had trouble getting anything going, you know, until, like, the second half. Um, If I'm not mistaken, you know, the first half was, like, seven to nothing or something like that. Um, so, um, the weather definitely played, played a huge factor, I think, in, in that game. Now, did it make the game closer than it would have been otherwise, or make the game more competitive? I don't know. Um, but, um, Washington, you know, Washington did what they were supposed to do in, in, in beating Philly, and that's that. Yeah, and I, I think Philly's improved. We talked about it two weeks in a row defense, uh, defensively. And to your point, they did contain them to 7-0 for the first couple, uh, two quarters, I believe it was. So that, you know, uh, the rain stopped, and obviously Washington was able to take advantage of some uh, 
some breaks there, and then they were able to punch it in. Um, are you surprised of the 21 and answer points? Las Vegas, very anemic the first half, and then the second half they start getting the Mariah, the, the, the Lopez sisters involved, and they're able to put together a, uh, a 21 unanswered points against Seattle. What do we say about the Majestics? I mean, that's a collapse because they had it in hand, 14-0, to zero, I believe. Yeah, that that is a collapse, and you know, um, unfortunately, uh, the feed wasn't so so great. Um, I so I, mm-hmm. I had a hard time following the game. So, um, you know, I I am only left to wonder if maybe injuries had something to do with it. Um, were the numbers like not there? Um, were there certain situational things that we wouldn't know about just by looking at the score? Um, but you're right. To your point, Oscar, you know, the Seattle Majestics were up, like, by two scores. They were up 14 nothing, mm-hmm. and uh, in the first half, and they were looking pretty. And, uh, you know, I, I think we were all a bit surprised, um, but certainly excited for, for Seattle because that would be, you know, would have been a, a very, very major statement for, for them to uh, get the victory in that game over Las Vegas. But it was a totally a different story in the second half. Hey, if you're Las Vegas, uh, Mark, at this point, you got to be very uh, excited that you got that big win because you get Utah this week, <laughs> and they they have no problem scoring. <laughs> so those 21 unanswered points, you got to go with that game plan against Utah because it was working. So you got to yeah. figure out a way to put some points up. That's right. That's right. So I, I hope they're ready. I hope they get the kind of tune-up they needed. <laughs> yeah, because I mean they're ba- they're battling right now in the uh, I believe it's in the in the West, right? In the West. Uh, let me look at the standings. I think in the West they're they're battling right now. Let's see here. Uh, you got Utah three and zero in the in the uh, Pacific, and then you got them at two and one. Uh, San Diego obviously will play again this week, so they're playing Seattle. Uh, what do you think, Mark? Is it a must-win for Seattle here? They got to they got to get this win. Oh yeah, I I think so. If they're going to keep up with the other teams for a playoff spot, they they have to get that win. Um, so uh, it's a big challenge. San Diego, San Diego D is no joke. It's a big challenge. Mercedes Lewis and company. There, this is this is this is a big tall task for Seattle and McCarran. It is. They're they're going to have to do some creative thinking in their preparation. You know, I I don't think they can kind of you know a, approach it like oh it's just the next game. You know what I mean? This is it's kind of yeah. it. This is like kind of do or die here. So if you're if you're uh, San Diego, this is this is no, this is nothing new. This is just got to just got to punch it in. And especially if you see a wounded warrior like like the Majestics. And to your point, I haven't got the stat sheet yet, but I'm pretty sure that was maybe a factor to allow 21 points in the second half would have been like, like Pierre said, maybe they were hindering on injuries or uh, key people were not in place, right? Because, I mean, to, yeah. just to give up that many points on defense, you had to have been very weak at certain spaces, either at safety or linebacker. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I'm, I'm sure... San Diego is looking at that game film and, and kind of licking their, their, their chops on, on that, you know. Um, they're just going to come in to, to take care of business. Um, 
And, you know, I, I really am very skeptical that Seattle is going to have the formula to stop them. I agree with that. Um, if you're L.A., Mark, where, where are you at? You're 0-3. You've been losing games very, uh, you know, under, I believe, under 10 points for the most part. But defensively, you're there. But offensively, you're still a human. You're not able to put up any points. You're not able to muster any drives. You're not able to. So if you're the legends, I mean, this is this got to be a, a disappointing season. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, last year was their first season, um, sort of. Um, and... I kind of think they look kind of the same this year. Like they're just not really living up to the potential that they they sort of seem to they look like they have. Um, you know, they, they need to find a way to put the ball in the hands of, of a playmaker and just let them make a play. Um, you know, they they got to get players in you know you know in open spaces uh, with the ball and you know. They were able to do that once against Utah, and you know it was it was good for uh, a touchdown. So, you know, um, if you can refresh my mind on their remaining schedule, like what what do you think their chances are of of getting a win? I mean, they're you know, <laughs> it's called. I'm not happening. Uh, it's not happening. That's what it's called, Mark. <laughs> it's not okay. happening. Uh, they get Seattle uh, in, in on May 6th, which, okay. But they've played poorly against Oregon, and they've played poorly against a uh, team that they should have won against, right? Right. And so, right. in terms – I think their problem is offensive, and I think Seattle still has better offense. They've grown up against them. Mm-hmm. San Diego, better right. offense, right? And Vegas, better yep. offense. So, yep. if you're the legend right now, uh, you got to be working on offense. How do how do we put up points on offense? Because that's your problem right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and that's a story with like you know a, a number of WNFC teams, and it seems like you know most of the teams in WNFC have a pretty decent defense, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it, it's putting together their the offense that that teams seem to be struggling at, and you know even for teams that are you know thought to be among the better teams, like. You know Denver and um, uh, Kansas City. So um, yeah, you got to get that offensive playbook open. You got to you know crack that open and get to work on the offense. The problem is we have very good defensive coordinators and not enough creative offensive coordinators. <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah. That we have. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's right. it. Because it seems like it. it seems like the athletes are there. Right, seems yep. like the athletes are there on, on each team. You can definitely pick, uh, you know, at least two or three people who are, you know, uh, seem to be the, you know, playmaker athlete type, you know, that could lead the offense. But it seems like the plays aren't there. Like they're just not calling the most effective plays at, at the most effective times, and um, it, it's it's really been hampering, you know, the scoring aspect um, of the league, you know. It seems like, you know, uh, outside of Utah and Texas, you know, you're kind of hard-pressed to, you know, find a team that has, you know, a high number of points per game. You know, Mississippi might be the next highest after that. 
I mean, top five, if you look at the rankings, the top five teams are the only ones that are uh, in great capacity in terms of offense. After that, right. everybody drops off. Everybody drops off, right? Yeah. And then even the even the the eleven, uh, what uh, six through ten, is mediocre offensive production. And then you yeah. go down to you know the eleven through sixteen, it's just poor, poor production. <laughs> poor production. Period. Um, <laughs> so something that to look at you all you in terms power. of yeah, in terms of Odessa Jenkins and uh, Elizabeth uh, Dillo, in terms of the you know the the Janice Masters, something to look at for twenty twenty four is. How do we balance that, right? How do we balance an offense and a defensive mentality in this league? Because uh, scoring, scoring is what puts butts in seats, right? The excitement, the catches, the runs, the screens, right. that. Defenses, yeah. uh, maybe people won't show up for that. Even though defense is part of the game, but a lot of people would go, okay, boring game, right? Four quarters, zero, zero. Not one, not one I wanted to come here. Everybody's shooting themselves in the foot every, every other series. That's not a good sign for, you know, for a brand, you know what I mean? And, yeah, I mean, defense wins championships, but as you say, offense wins fans, right? Yep. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's reality. So, um, okay, so, Mark, let's look at let's look at the schedule here coming up here. Or, oh, before I do that, Mississippi, uh, I want to just say, shout out to Houston, Mississippi was really contained for almost a half before they went off in the, I believe, the last quarter of the game. But, you know, shout out to Houston, playing really tough. Uh, you know, prayers to Houston because they're going up against the Texas Elite this weekend. So in the same breath, good job against Mississippi. Uh, you get to see the monster one more time this weekend. <laughs> yeah, uh, good luck to them. You know, I expect that they'll be, you know, maybe a little more prepared for Texas this time. So uh, hopefully um, – Hopefully we'll be seeing some strides forward for Houston in that in that game. Um, but what a job they did! You know, like five interceptions uh, against yep. Mississippi. That's just wild. Um, and I, I, I think it just shows you, you know, that they they're ballers, man. They're ballers on Houston. So um, kudos to them. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think it was Wells and Bean all over the field. Um, you had uh, what, what, who else did you have? Um, up the front four pressure. Shout out to the front four there, um, Andrea Radford, right? So they they got some, they got some monsters in terms of the uh, in terms of pressure for the offense. If they bring those monsters to to against Texas, I think they stay competitive. Now, if, if Tagaloa doesn't throw into triple coverage every other throw, maybe D Scott gets the ball right. Maybe opportunity there for a long shot play, and that's what you need against Texas. You got to be able to throw that and swing it, but don't swing it in, tri- in triple coverage. You know, so that's yep. that's the key right there. Yep, yeah, yeah. they got to uh, they got to pick their moments for for those big plays, and they just got to focus on moving the chains in that game. I think, you know, just getting first downs, and you know, if you can move, you know, if you can move the ball effectively. And some of these other sort of big play um, opportunities are, are, are going to open up because, you know, the other team's going to change the way they're playing defense on you if you can move the chains on them. So um, that's my advice. Not that they, they need So, it. Mark, 
uh, a, la, a la Chicago Force, Grisafi to Gray, we could see similar Gore to Rashida Young. That was a very good, impressive performances there. One of them was called back. One touchdown was called back. But there's, there's opportunity there for them two to match up. She's got Knicks as well. She's got Jackson. Um, I, I mean, we talked to her, obviously, when we interviewed her on, on the podcast. So, uh, I mean, five interceptions is not what you want to see from QB1, as she calls herself. But uh, she does have weapons. So if she's able to, you know, contain herself and, and really utilize, she's got three, a three-headed monster that, sh- that should be able to be effective. And so, you know, shout out to Rashida Young. Did a pretty good job that that game. Well, absolutely. If if they can get all of them firing on you know all cylinders at one time, you know they'll be very very dangerous, even to a team like Texas. But that's hard to do, you know. And this is Gore's first year under center with with that team, so you know everybody's still just kind of getting accustomed to each other. Um, but uh, come playoff time, they, they'll be one of the teams that, you know, other teams won't want to face. So if you're uh, Ashley Bean, you know, uh, beast on the field, two, two interceptions that game. She was very impressive. Uh, Mary Woodward, obviously, as always, the last couple of weeks she's been standout for Mississippi. So yeah, uh, if great. you're Houston, I mean, that's promising, right? You got Wells and Bean as your eyes. Um, now they get Bushman. Can they intercept Bushman? And that's your that's your mission uh, coming up into this in this matchup. If you can if you can force Bushman to throw interceptions, you got a chance to win. Oh yeah, I mean you got If if you can win the turnover battle, I mean I mean I can't see anybody beating Texas without like getting turnovers. So if they can force mm-hmm. turnovers, you know I mean that, that's just one of the things that you have to do. Bottom line. Yeah, that's a key right there. A key is to uh, force uh, the Spartans to to play an uncomfortable game, right? At to, to a point where they 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 have trouble, and it's very hard to do, but you're able to do it. And that front four did a really good job against uh, Gore, uh, which is an which is a mobile quarterback. If they can do the same similar job against Bushman, which is not as mobile quarterback, then they got a shot. And if uh, if uh, what would I say? I wrote down here. If Bean and Wells can do their job in Radford, uh, Houston might not win the game, but to your point, they stay competitive enough to, you know, to tell Texas, hey, we've arrived at a, at a higher level. Yeah, I, I agree with that assessment, definitely. All right, so if you're Florida, you're spinning, you're really spinning. <laughs> so if you're Molly Richardson, um I mean, I don't know what to tell you anymore, but uh, you get the prodigy next, and they're they they're not here to they're not here to lose, <laughs> and they're going to Florida. Uh, Florida's not a big threat, so uh, how does Florida become a threat? <laughs> That's the question. Yeah, I mean that was rough. I was watching um, their game against Tennessee, and um, you know Tennessee, you know, put points on the board. They they got a lead. Um, late in the game, um, Florida was able to make a drive and, you know, get into the humble blue zone and uh, Richardson threw, threw a touchdown pass that was called back on, on a penalty. And, and that turned out, like, to be the game. Like, they never 
got back into the end zone uh, and the game was over. So um, it was a close game and Florida almost, you know, had a chance to win it, but it didn't, didn't break that way for them. And so now they're, they're sitting at the bottom of the heap here and uh, that's rough. I don't know how they can turn it around in full. They're, they're the most outscored team in the WNFC, 84 to 15. That's not good. That's not good at all. No, I mean, it, it had to be somebody, but, you know. No, I know, but that's not an honorable thing. That's not, that's not something you want on your resume. <laughs> no. Um, so, at this point, Mark, two games left for them. Uh, they, their vision is 2024. They're not going to make the playoffs. That's reality. Okay. Yep. So it's just perform really good for the next two weeks, right? To see where you're at for 2024. And I, I'm not not saying that that's going to be the case, but that's literally what it looks like because you get Washington and Phoenix. So if you're Florida, you're only playing for pride, either putting up score, uh, putting up a score against a couple scores against Washington, or putting up a couple points against Atlanta, right? So you're playing for pride. Yep. Because uh, officially yeah, your 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 season's over, and I'm calling it right now. Your season's yep. over. That's it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Just playing for pride. Trying to make, you know, one good thing happen on the field that you can remember and carry with you into 2024. Yeah, it's just it's rough. And that's where we're at. We're 1-3, getting outscored 84-15. to 15. Probably not a good sign. Um, if you're Philadelphia, on the other hand, Mark, uh, you're 0 and 3. Uh, you're you get uh, you get Atlanta this week. You get Tennessee. Might be a winnable game there. Uh, and then you get Mississippi. So I guess you're in the same boat as Florida in a lot of ways. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I would say that Tennessee is probably their only kind of winnable. That's their most winnable game that they have on the on the schedule. Um, the likelihood of of winning those other two games are I, I think kind of short. Um, but, you know, it's only half the season's gone by. That's a team, you know, like Florida, they're, they're just trying to get better. Um, and this, these are the opportunities that they have. So, you know, hopefully, hopefully they'll be able to get that taste of success when, um, you know, when they're playing, uh, you know, maybe Tennessee. Um, but like, as you say, it's, pretty much over for them all right mark uh the trojans they get uh the phantoms this week this uh may 6th and then they get three weeks in a row of really aggressive so they're going to get houston at home and then they get at the they get washington could they surprise us they've improved their off uh, their uh, defense and offensively they've been able to put a little bit of points but obviously this is not houston or washington right in terms of florida they play florida twice they did play atlanta who put 60 burger on them so, you think maybe Tennessee much improved and maybe more com- will be more competitive against Houston and Washington? Not really, no. Um, no. I think the easy I think the easy part of their schedule is is over, and you know they're going to get a taste of of what it is to play, you know the teams that are at the top, which any new team 
needs to see, right? They need to see that for themselves. So that's what the second half of this season is about for them. And, you know, they got to, they got to make the most of those opportunities. Um, you know, obviously, yes, they're trying to win the game, but, you know, if they don't win the game, how much can they take from the game uh, to benefit them? That's that's what it's all about here with these remaining games for Tennessee. All right. So shout out to them because uh, if they do beat Philly, Mark, they'll be 2-2. Two and two. And if they lose the other two games, they will finish third in the Atlantic Division as an expansion team. So if you're Florida right. and Philadelphia, bad, right? if you're Florida and Philadelphia, who's on the chopping block? As they say in the uh, on the Food Network, who's on the chopping block for the WNFC? That's right. Remains to be seen. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know tough tough schedule in the Atlantic, right? So it's a tough battle. Um, the the you know Atlanta and Washington are no joke. They're really good teams. Um, Atlanta so far has put up 90 points and zero points from the opponent. It's pretty scary there. 90 points. So pretty impressive. Um, okay, let's finish up. The, 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 we got Mississippi-Denver, uh, Mark. So this is a crucial game in the Central Division, right? This is very crucial, more so than anything, because mm-hmm. Kansas City has slid. Uh, Houston, uh, a rough schedule for Houston, too, right? Because they're going up against Texas. More than likely, they lose that. So they'll be 1-3. and three. Uh, Glory are 2-2 two and two right now. So between the Bandits and Mississippi, this is a crucial win. It's got to happen. So is it going to be Cubas waking up that offense on Denver, or are we going to see the three-headed monster with Gore somehow showcased this week against Denver? Well, you know, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I, you know, I do know that if, if Mississippi wins this game, then they're pretty much a shoe-in for, for the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. and if if and and Denver has like kind of has to win it, all right? They're already sort of, you know, they're below. I believe they're below Houston in in the ratings. You know, they've lost to Houston, um, right? To show that they're better than Houston and should be ahead of Houston, they have to beat Mississippi, right? And this is it, you know. So this this is their chance. And I know they're going to be fighting like hell to win this game, um, but it is a very tall task. Their their offense is, as you say, in, in referencing that you know their quarterback, uh, Cubis, like their their offense has to come out and be unrecognizable from what we've seen so far. Like they have to explode here with some points, and I don't know if they have have it in them, but that's what they that's what they need. To win this game, the only blessing they have is they have a good defense. So, can the, that defense somehow slow down the Panthers? Right, but that defense isn't going to beat the Panthers in four quarters by themselves. So, if you're Denver, right, uh, you got to bring machine guns. <laughs> you got to bring machine guns. Grace, Carla, whoever you got, you got to throw the kitchen sink because this, this one you really need, right? You got to throw the kitchen sink yeah. on offense, playbook, and everything. To yeah. your point. Absolutely. You know, when we saw the Washington Prodigy, you know, have that slugfest with, with Mississippi, you know, their defense was awesome, Washington's was, and they controlled the game. But their offense 
that didn't score enough points. Like, you know, all Mississippi needed was to score, you know, twice, and, and they were able to get that job done, you know. So Denver's got to be looking at that tape and be understanding that they have to score points. They have to score points. They have to score points. You can't, you can't win this game, you know, with, with one touchdown. I just don't see that happening. If you're the OC in Denver, Mark, you, this is, this is a, a come-to-Jesus moment for you because you are going to be evaluated on the ineffective way of competing against the top, one of the top five teams in the WNFC. So you're, you're being measured and evaluated this week. If you can't come up with a plan to have a balanced run game, right, between Cooper and Romero, then you've got a problem as an offensive coordinator. Maybe you need to step aside and have somebody more creative come up because this is what you need. You need a creative playbook to go up against Mississippi. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, they just need results. You know, yep. maybe that comes from – creativity, um, you know, maybe it comes from conservative. I don't know. And, frankly, I don't care. It, it is about the results. Uh, you know, they played three games, and they've scored how many points total? Ten points against opponents, and they've only put up 14 points so far. Right. So that's, you know, that's not the result that they're looking for. And so you've had three games, you've seen what, you know, can be done better, and now it's time to execute, you know, not, not, just, not just the players. I am really am talking about the offensive coordinator and, yep. you know, running the plays and who, who's making the call as to what play is coming next and, you know, getting your drive set up. Like, you know, you've got to put it all in. You, you know, I don't know what's missing. Uh, you got to put all the work in there and, and the creative creativity, like you say, and get help from your other coaches if you have to. Get help from your yep. more experienced players, right? You know, especially yep. if their OC is kind of new to this league, which I, I think he is, uh, you know, might not be very familiar with, with the, the styles and play of other teams. And, you know, ask, ask, ask everybody around you. Um, you know, because you know the results. There have to be better results if Denver's, you know, going to win this game. And I, I can't see them getting into the. It'd be very hard for them to reach the playoffs if, if they don't win this game. Quite frankly. So, all I'm saying to Rashad Ray is this is the mo- this is your moment. If you can take down the Mississippi Panthers, this is where you make a mark in this league. If you get routed and ineffective offense, you got a problem, sir. So you got to be able to fix it because that's it. This is the moment because, uh, you know, uh, Jason Dreckett's uh, Dreckitz, doing his job, putting up his defense out there, holding teams to 10 points through three weeks. That guy's doing his job, right? He's putting, the, he's putting his team def- defensively in a position to hold the, the, the offense, right, holding them down to 10 points. So if you're Rashad Ray, this is your moment. This is it. You're going up against one of the better offensive quarterbacks in the WNFC. Going up against what? You're going up against Jackson and Young. 
That's a tall task, and you got to be creative because you got to you got to go toe to toe with that. So uh, it's not like we call out offensive coordinators all the time in, in the, on this podcast, but Denver is too talented on offense to, for them not to be that competitive, right? That's what we're saying. That's what we're saying. All right. So if you're Utah, Mark, uh, up against Las Vegas, cr- uh, crucial game for Vegas here, more so than anything. Uh, but you're rolling. Uh, expectations of 4-0. They're on a four-game winning streak. They win this. Uh, they're a shoe-in for the nine cup. That's all I'm going to say right now. If they win this, they're playoff bound. That's it. And hats off to hats off to the coach, right? Keeping it rolling after the Rasmussen change. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very confident they're playoff bound and. Um, I don't think Las Vegas is going to be much of a threat this week um, against Utah. Um, as long as Utah you just you know stays on top of their game, uh, they just ex- execute their their game plan, and um, they're going to be fine. And then they get uh, Vegas this week. Then they're going to get um, I think another. They get a, uh, what uh, May sixth. They're going to get San Diego which is their rivalry game again. And then they're going to get uh, Denver, who we just talked about. So uh, it looks like yep. they could run the table, Mark. They could run the table. Yeah. That's just what it looks like. It definitely looks that way. definitely looks that way. You know San Diego is going to be gunned for them. Um, mm-hmm. and, and Denver, too. Perhaps, you know, if Denver gets this win against uh, Mississippi, they might look like a very different team by the time they, they – meet Utah. We'll just have to see, um, you know, how the chips fall um, uh, for them. But, yeah, as we said last week, you know, um, Utah's in a very good position right now. They're playing their, as you say, their offense is potent, productive, and, um, and, you know, as I said last week, I mean, I think they're the favorite to reach the nine cup for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're 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 the favorite, um, and they do it in silence. That's one of the things you got to respect. They do it in silence. They don't brag, they don't boast. They just show up on game day, and they do it in silence. Right? There's other teams out there that brag. You know, you got Atlanta bragging that they're the best team in the in the East, but has never made it to the nine cup or the playoffs. You know, going deep into the nine cup. Uh, Utah has has a consistent history, right? Just uh, you know, doing their business, and that's it. Yep. Yeah, that's that's like their identity, you know. They are mm-hmm. very um, very down to business. Yep. So uh, you know, confidence is on game day, and the 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 result is their confidence. So if that's you know some sort of philosophy coming out of me. Um, all right, Mark. Week one, WFA Pro. We did say the Divas would struggle against Pittsburgh. Condialdi said differently before that. Condioli gets the L. So there we go. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, it was, I mean, my takeaway from that game really was, you know, how how good Pittsburgh looked on both sides of the ball. Um, all teams seem to have a little bit trouble with special teams in the first week of the season. Uh, but, you know, Pittsburgh's defense was like really disruptive. Um, 
and, you know, smothering. They really kind of smothered um, uh, D.C. And, and, you know, Congiality didn't always have, you know, a good opportunity to throw the ball. And even when she did, you know, the Pittsburgh secondary was, was you know, really giving great coverage. Uh, but beyond that, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's offense looked very good too with Marcelina Chavez under center. Now, you know, Marcelina was, uh, you know, played running back or wide receiver. I think she was playing wide receiver in Pittsburgh last year. And she has a much longer history as a running back, um, you know, with uh, Tampa Bay, with the Tampa Bay Inferno. So she's been a baller for a long time. And I was really quite, uh, I found it quite remarkable how natural she looked at the quarterback position. Because um, I was expecting Alyssa George to um, be playing quarterback. And I, I think George did take some snaps at quarterback, but it was mostly Chavez for most of the game. And, you know, she was mobile and she threw the ball on the run and she threw deep and she still ran the ball as well. Um, so, so that was a really, really kind of pleasant surprise uh, for me just as a fan watching to, mm-hmm. you know, see someone, like, see someone like Chavez, like take on a new position and excel at it. Right. Um, great stuff. Great stuff. So, uh, I was very impressed by by Pittsburgh's offense, and um, you know the receivers were really great. Um, Malarski, um, I'm forgetting some names, but um, Meister, uh, you know, all pulling down passes, and um, uh, number number four running back was was great as well. So uh, right now Pittsburgh looks like a complete unit and um you know dc looks like they they still have some work to do although i did see some good things with dc uh offense as well even though they only scored two touchdowns which was a lot less than you know uh some players uh would have you believe they would be scoring but um you know i thought it was a good game to start off the wfa season well, if you're Pittsburgh right now, but your balance attack was there, so Chavez as an option, right? Then you get, uh, you just mentioned, they got a QB2, Elisa George, QB3, Ebony Montgomery, okay? So mm-hmm. they're, they're, deep at, yep. they're deep at quarterback. So substituting, you know, tough game, giving a break, things like that, right? There's, there's options there. And then you just mentioned uh, Maria Fatali, you know, Fatali right. and Chelsea Hill. Uh, as well, and then you also have Courtney Smith. So uh, they got a balance attack. I think that's what they know that they have to have in order for them to compete against, you know, the, the Renegades, you know, in terms of the balance attack. The Renegades have that, that balance attack too. You know, they got the run game, and then they mix it up with the passing game. So that's something that Pittsburgh has to have in order for them to match up well against uh, Boston. Yeah, I, I agree, and, you know, to have so many offense, uh, you know, offensive options on any one play um, is is kind of something that 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 Pittsburgh um, that was Pittsburgh's strength like in the past, and mm-hmm. you know I think for a few years they didn't quite have the same level 
and it, it looks like that they, they they put the pieces together now to um, to have that type of offense. And having former passion quarterback Lisa Horton, um, you know, calling calling the plays of the offense is just it's a perfect situation for her. She's got all these tools at her disposal, and um, anybody who knows like the Pittsburgh Passion offense, they, they um, uh, kind of like also like gadgety plays. They like to throw in some trick plays every now and again, just to you know. Uh, it keeps it interesting, and it keeps the other team on their toes, and it, it usually gives them seven points. So um, um, I, I feel like we're going to see some exciting football from from Pittsburgh this year. We mentioned at the at the beginning of the preseason when we talked about it, right, Mark? We said they'd have two losses, and that would be against Boston. And it looks like that's when that's going to be the case because that's uh, they look that good, and we've only had one game, yeah. but. Depending on how they depending on how they match up against uh, Tampa Bay Inferno, which we'll see this week, uh, Tampa Bay Inferno this week up against Detroit. Um, so if you're Detroit right now, uh, that was a hard loss, six zero against your former coach and the Columbus Chaos. So that's a tough loss. But Tampa Bay, we don't know Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay uh, traditionally does have some firepower. So we'll see how Detroit manages that. Yeah. I- It'll be interesting to see where Tampa Bay is out. I mean, they had they had a bye week like Boston did, so um, they're just kind of kicking back and seeing what's happening. Um, but for for what it's worth, um, you know, I've heard some people mention that you know Tampa Bay is is um, uh, kind of like another Pittsburgh passion um, mm-hmm. in, in terms of the way that the team is run. Um, and it happens to be run by a former passion player, Jen Moody, um, and uh, who's put together, a, you know, a leadership team down there. So they're trying to build a culture, you know, that has grown out of like Pittsburgh. In the NFL, you know, we we think of like head coaches in the the family tree of of coaches, head coaches that came after them that were on their staff. Um, mm-hmm. So it's interesting to make that comparison with you know Tampa Bay and um, Pittsburgh. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what Tampa Bay looks like, what kind of changes they've made, how they've grown. Um, but for, for in the case of Detroit, however, um, it would, you know, on the surface of things, seem like maybe they've taken um, a slight step back um, from last year, um, which is not a knock on um, Columbus, of course. I, I think Columbus is um, is a is a rising team, and they're going to win. They're going to win games, and, and they they won a big one. And um, you know that's that's um, a nearby rivalry, and you know we know about coach head coach uh, Keith Thomas. He used to uh, be the head coach for Detroit, and is now the head coach for for Columbus, the Columbus chaos. So there's definitely some rivalry there. And, um, you know, I also kind of think Columbus is as a site, as a town, um, is a, is a team that, you know, uh, the WSA might be interested in priming for inclusion and pro at some point in the near future. I think geographically it, it makes a lot of sense. 
And uh, if the organization's up to snuff, um, then then it's kind of a no. It would be a no-brainer, um, especially if they compete. Now, I don't know how competitive Detroit is compared to, you know, Pittsburgh or D.C. So it would be interesting to see Columbus, you know, maybe play a few more uh, pro-level teams. Um, but uh, right now it's pretty clear that Detroit has some, some work to do if they're going to be competitive and pro this year. All right, so let's move on to the last game that was on uh, – on Women's Sports Network, you can catch it right there. It's uh, Nevada versus Mahai. Uh, it was a very, very uh, good competitive matchup, and then Mahai kind of went, uh, ran away with it. Uh, so 27-7. to 7. Uh, Mark, Nevada will take on Cali War. And, you know, I hate when the WFA does this. Uh, they give Cali War a D3 team. I think if you're in pro, you shouldn't have less than a D2 team to play against a D2 team because this is kind of like unfair – to the Nevadas, the Mahais, and every other WFA pro team. It's unfair. D.C. doesn't get a D3 team in the East. And D.C. doesn't. Boston doesn't, right? Nobody else gets a D3 team on, in terms of uh, on, on the West Coast. So either give them a bye week and then you play a team three times. I don't care how that works, but this is, this is not a very good thing. 48-0 routing of a D3 team, that's like a scrimmage game. It's just, not, it's just unfair to the rest of the pro teams. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of having a you know pro level team play play a D3 team. Um, I you know I expect that the league wants to eliminate those kind of matchups, you know, as soon as possible. And you know I really think they could have done that this year. And I agree with you. You know, if you have to play the same team three times um, in one season in one regular season to avoid playing a division three team, I think they should do that. Um, and so I totally agree with you there. Um, so that that's too bad that that you know, geographically speaking, you know, uh, you know the Cali War are, are on a, a bit of an island, but you know it's not really an excuse. You know, pro teams should play no lower than Division Two, and I think the ultimate goal is to have pro teams only play pro teams. Period. And I'm sure that is the the goal. That's the objective. Um, let's just. That's the only you know, thing. Just that's the only that, thing that, that uh, Mark. The only thing that stood out because everybody else played. You know, Austin Outlaws. Uh, they played uh, DCD, right? Everybody else played equal uh, competition or D two. So I mean, to whoever did the schedule, either it's an oversight, complete oversight, or I mean, for me, it's like that's a that's just a, a gimme game, and that's not fair to the rest of the teams. You know what I mean? It's not fair to the East Coast teams that battle every week, you know, back and forth. It's not fair to Tampa, not fair to Boston, not fair to DC Diva. You know what I mean? It just, I just think it's just it's one of the things that the WFA needs to do better out there and, and make sure that that, okay. that, that gets better. Um, the two games that we got to focus Absolutely. this week on Women's Sports Networks, uh, Mark, your team taking on DC. Uh, what do you think? Must win for DC here? They got to they got to show up better than they did against Pittsburgh. Well, they got to, yeah, they they do have to show out better, and you know, um, because DC did not play the way they wanted to play against Pittsburgh, that's for sure. Um, and so, you know, I, they're going to want to put up a, a better, uh, you know, a better effort against Boston. 
um, they're going to be coming to Boston to to play the game, and um, it might be a repeat of the weather that they had. It, w- it was kind of rainy uh, when they played against Pittsburgh, um, and right now the forecast for this Saturday here in Boston is is rainy and a little bit cold. So mm-hmm. now this is New England, so the weather can change any minute. If there's an old saying, you know. Uh, you know, if you don't like New England weather, just wait a minute, you know. So things change fast, but it, it could be nasty conditions out there. Um, so I, I don't know how D.C. feels about, you know, playing in, in, in cold, rainy games uh, for two, you know, two weeks in a row, but that might happen. If you're in Nevada, Mark, uh, big, uh, it's a big, big loss on the road, you know, with a big margin. Uh, so if you're Coach Garza here, you get in Cali War. You've always played competitive against them. If you're Cali War, are you mm-hmm. coming in overconfident after getting that 48 burger against a D3 team? Well, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think the game that the Cali War played this past Saturday is going to inform anything at all about their uh, next game against Nevada. Um, because they have their own history together. So I don't think they're going to overlook Nevada. I'm not really sure, um, uh, you know, where Nevada is. Uh, they're running back. I think her name was Sanchez, went down with an injury. Um, mm-hmm. So they're were, they were already light on, you know, on running back. So, you know, and they don't have Jesse Felker this year. and um, No plumber? You know, it's load no Jasmine Plummer. So they're already still trying to figure, you know, get things figured out and then they get this, this injury. Um, and so it's, it's a challenge. So, I mean, suffice it to say, um, the storm are, are, are facing, you know, a big challenge this week in facing, you know, the Cali war, you know, one of the presumed favorites, um, in a league. So, um, so that's tough. Yeah, and that was a tough loss to take. But, you know, uh, kudos to the Mahai Blaze. You know, they're one of the teams in the league that really wanted to make a statement in the in the first week of the season and, and succeeded at it, right? Um, they, they wanted to make sure that people knew that they belonged in pro, right, that they could compete on that level. Um, and they took it. They took it to the storm. Defensively, they played very, very well. They had answers for for almost everything that um, the storm were were trying to do. Um, so their defense really, really shined. Uh, not to take away from um, their offensive performance, you know, but they, what really hit me was that was that defensive performance. So kudos to them. Sorry, Nate. I had you on the on there, but I didn't see you on there, so I apologize. Um, so, Nate, uh, we got to look forward to the next week, week, next week's games here. So, we got St. Louis. We got about uh, what five minutes left here. So, we got St. Louis mm-hmm. against DC Derby. Derby coming off that loss against uh, Alabama, thirty-two to six, and we also have Atlanta Rage taking on Alabama. So, Alabama can go two and zero here. Very impressive coming off the WNFC season. At kind of if they go two and zero here. Uh, this is what we expected. 
you know, going two and zero, you're kind of making a statement for yourself. I mean, going one and zero to start the the season and your your first go round up on uh, up on another level is impressive enough. But two and zero, you're you're sending a message that you've come to play. Um, and I I know that from experience from a lot of teams that have bounced level to level. Um, so uh, good luck to them. And I'm I, I'm actually going to be pulling for them to get that two and zero. Um, the other game, uh, Nate, that we're looking at uh, is Minnesota has to face uh, Max Nebraska Pride. Uh, they come off a 20 to zero defeat of the from the St. Louis Slam. You can catch the game right there uh, at the Hub uh, on YouTube. So if you're, uh, you know, if you're Minnesota here, I think this is a must win against Nebraska. And if you're in Nebraska, this is a if you win this, this is going to be huge win for the for this new team. Absolutely. I mean, so then in essence it becomes must win either way. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, 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 I hate to go against the salty ones. So I kind of got to go Nebraska, but it, it, it yep. could be really a toss up for me. All right. So guys, um, we are looking forward to week two in pro division. The games of the week that we're going to look up after is uh, Mark's Boston Renegades taking on the DC Divas. And then we also have the Nevada Storm taking on the Cali War. That's the WSN Game of the Week. Uh, obviously, you can get every game in the WNFC on y, uh, W Score uh, on W Score at www.wnfcfootball.com, uh, and you can get the pro game there on in uh, various uh, outlets in terms of the WFA. So you go to wfaprofootball.com, get the links right there to the games. Uh, so um, Nate and Mark, interesting matchups. Crucial week five for the WNFC, and obviously some teams in the WFA need to step up their game at this point. So I'm looking forward to the next uh, next week as to we look into WFA, WFA Pro Week 2 recap, and then obviously the WNFC Week 5 recap. So uh, for Mark Simone, Nate Ward, the absent Mackenzie Brooks, Holly Custis, and Terry Lister, Oscar Lopez here signing off. We'll be here next week as we break down WNFC and WFA action. Have a great night, everybody.